Welcome to Fixated, the Fixed Income Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Moran, Editorial Director of Fixed Income News Australia. Join me as I talk about the latest news, views and education in fixed income investment. I'll be joined by industry experts from Australia and across the globe. Welcome. To celebrate International Women's Day, we have interviewed three amazing women in fixed income. Camilla Love, Director at Perennial Investment Management and founder of F3, Future Females in Finance. Kelly Wood, Deputy Head of Fixed Income at Schroeder's, who's been managing fixed income portfolios for more than 20 years. And Amy Clements, Investment Specialist at Insight Investment. Delighted to have Camilla Love with me today, Director at Perennial Investment Management and founder of F3 Future Females in Finance. Hello, Camilla, welcome. Hi, Liz. Thanks for having me today. Looking forward to our chat. I'm so excited to catch up with you again. Um, Tell me, how did you get into finance? Well, it's a long story and I'll keep it really short. Um, But essentially, it came out through a function of the fact that um, I call him my international man of mystery. So he was my godfather. He would come home um, in summer from he used to live in Tokyo and New York during the 80s and 90s, which would have been absolutely fabulous to, to, to experience. But he would come home to much fanfare and, um, you know, with all the parents and all that sort of stuff. And I would sit there and go, I don't know what he does but I'm just going to do what he does. And so I, you know, later on I found out he was, uh, he worked at Citigroup and he was telling about all these stories about, you know, the places he'd been and the deals he'd made and the people he'd met. And I just was like, like I was in love at that point in time. So it's been a long journey, um, but I've loved every day of it. So tell me a bit about your journey. How, like what degree did you do and where did you go from there? Sure, yeah. I um, did a double degree at Sydney University, did arts and commerce. And the reason why I um, put that those two together is because obviously I, I could do the maths and I loved all that sort of the commerce accounting economics piece. But really I loved, you know, geography and history. And, you know, university gives you the um, luxury to do some really interesting and weird subjects. And that might be the only time in life that you might be able to do that. So I was doing like mass media and career and French film studies in my arts and I just loved it. And but and most people who know me know that I'm a perpetual studier. So I've gone on and done an MBA. I've done a master's in finance and investment. Um, and on the DL, I'm actually doing a uh, master's in law at the moment, specialising in climate change and sustainability. So um so that's how I sort of got in. But really, it's been 20 years in the industry. Um, I've worked in the same organisation for 20 years, which, you know, I've had a great time. I've done a lot of different things with them. And I started as a, you know, a graduate marketing analyst and, you know, went on to run businesses for them. So um, been been a long journey and I've loved it because, you know, finance is Every day is different. It's entirely varied. You're surrounded with people who are highly intelligent, um, really passionate about doing um, really good things for clients. And, you know, I, I, you know, it's a people business as well, which I love. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great industry to, to be involved with. That's just so impressive. I didn't realise you were doing another, quali- studying a further qualification. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. <laughs> Okay, it's secret, it's secret. So just thinking about that, I mean, 
has it gone to plan and like what are your aspirations now you know like yeah and like it's a perpetual question because does anything ever go to plan um look it started off with for example when I left school and I missed out on my top you know choice for university by 0.25 of a HSC mark and can I say that was probably the best 0.25 of an HSC mark I ever missed out on. So nothing ever ends up um, to plan. But um, I tell you what, you know, the future is super bright. I look forward to, you know, running businesses and, you know, kicking goals for clients and really meeting the needs of uh, members and, and, and investors out there as I go along and continue to go along in my journey. So tell us about your current role now. Yeah, so my current role at the moment as um, director at Perennial is really about um, the governance component of what what we do in the business. So I sit on a number of boards for them. Um, I'm looking at, and, and what that does do is actually give you such breadth in different areas of the business. So my background, as you well know, is um in the sales, marketing, promotion, distribution side. But given, you know, the the governance component, you know, I'm looking at financials, I'm looking at legal risk and compliance, I'm looking at operations, I'm looking, you know, I, I even recently wrote a cybersecurity strategy paper. So, you know, it's wide and varied and um, I, I really enjoy what I do. The other thing that I'm actually doing for the business is um, – we have just started a venture capital limited partnership fund, so I'm on the governance board there as well. And I'm a bit passionate about this space because um, I've been a, um, an angel investor for a little while now. And watching the business come into this space, I've been able to, you know, help educate and help guide um, you know, the, the right structures and the right governance sitting around those venture capital and um, pre-IPO growth capital investments. So it's been, um, it's it's a super interesting job. Um, I can't believe how much you have to juggle. Like I know working on boards is a lot of work independently from your own like day job, but obviously you have a really strategic brain is that where you want to like you want to end up in a like a strategic more even more strategic role maybe or yeah absolutely like my my um, north star is to run a funds management business um, at some time in the future I, I I you know you're only ever as young as you feel but I, I do have a little bit of time um, left in my belt to work in the executive career in the next little while but um, yeah, my my view is, you know, let's let's reach for the stars. Let's be a role model for a whole bunch of people out there um, to really show them what we can we can all do. So um, I love people. I love leading people. I love the strategy piece. I love solving the problem. Um, and you know, if I get to do that in any of my roles, it's it's always a good day. Tell us a little bit about how you juggle everything, like your work, your family, your health. You know? It's a constant battle. <laughs> it's never, it's, it's sure. never ending, and I, I can't say that I'm definitely perfect at that. So what I would, what I would say is, there's only a hundred percent of you, right? So um, you need to allocate uh, your hundred percent accordingly. Um, and I do put, um, you know, obviously family comes first and, you know, work comes second, but I also do put my, my mental health and my physical health at the cornerstone because if you're not, 
um, good in in that if you're not you know perfect or at least working on it um, you know everything else can can fall away but definitely like <laughs> I was having a meeting the other day and someone said oh can you come to something on the 30th of March right so we're here early on in March it's you know, not even in the teens of March and um, I looked at the 30th of March and I'm triple booked on that day and I'm like okay life is <laughs> life is a little bit more um shouldn't be what it is but I tell you what I've just come back from eight weeks of long service leave so I'm the juggle is real just trying to get back into um back into the groove of you know reality and work and friendships and family and school work and all that sort of stuff so um not perfect always working on it I'm so um, happy happy for you to hear that you've taken long service leave because so many people decide they can never take it or their job's too important. And um, I think it is important to take big breaks if you get the opportunity. Absolutely. And, you know, I had a number of goals during my time away, um, particularly one was to find joy, power, play and vulnerability in every day. And I'm a big skier. So the mountain that I was there for um, seven weeks and, um the mountains showed me that pretty much every day and just to look up and smell, you know, the fresh air and the pine trees and watch the snow settle and all that sort of stuff. Like it, you need to, you need to um, have that break to, to find the, the power and the, and the fire within to be able to continue going on. Oh, absolutely. I love the big skies, you know, over the mountains. Oh, and, it's amazing. You know, like, it's beautiful, isn't it? It's beautiful. I, and it's I so just, quiet. And I ski down a run and I just stop. And I just look up and I just go, oh, my God, this is just so beautiful. And I just take a big, big, deep breath and smell it all in and then just pause for a little bit and then just continue on skiing down the mountain. Like it was, you know, just those little moments that were scattered through your day. Um, you know, and also I, I spent a bit of time by myself over there. So my family came back for school and work. And, um, you know, just having an open heart, meeting, meeting strangers and, you know, doing stuff with people that are, you know, different to you. And um, that, was, that was really joyful, joyful. I think that just sounds brilliant. Um, if only our listeners could see the massive smile on your face right now. <laughs> Can't they hear it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they can hear it. I'm sure they can hear it. Um, do you have any practical tips for women that are starting out or wanting to take the next step in their careers, something that you might have found worked for you that might work for them as well? Yeah. Um, and the first tip I'd probably give you is um, one that I only found, I wouldn't say recently, but probably in the last maybe 10 years, is actually finding your voice. So in the first early stages of your career, you know, you're there, you're learning, the learning curve is directly up. Um but in that next stage, finding your voice, understanding, you know, who you are, what motivates you, your values, and voicing them in the room comfortably, you know, asking for the pay rise, you know, asking for the next, you know, the opportunity on that committee, asking to be put forward for X, Y, and Z. Um, finding the voice is, is something that comes with a little bit of time, but utilising that um, in a meaningful way that's effective for you is really critical. Um, for those people who are early on in their career, um, take a chance is my view. So 
Um, and, you know, ask, and my other thing is ask the next question. So whether that is, can I have a coffee with you? Cause I'm really interested in how you got to your career, your, you know, where you are in your career or you, what's your job like, or can you show me how to do this? Um, you know, asking that next question, because if you stay silent, um, you're not there, you're not learning much, um, and you're not putting yourself out for new opportunities. So there, there are a couple. I've got like I've got a list of advice, <laughs> you know. But I'm um, sure we're I'm only sure. a short podcast. <laughs> I'm sure. I, I have this sort of theory, like say Geronimo, Geronimo. You know, what have you got to lose? Just go for it and see where it takes you. you totally. Because um, you never know. Totally. And if you don't ask, you don't Absolutely. get. Right. So um, you may as well put yourself out there. And I've been, you know, I've been working, as, as I mentioned, on a bit of vulnerability in my leadership style in the last little while. And um, it's actually reaped a lot of rewards just through the authenticity that I've been practicing as part of that journey. Um, so, you know, self-reflect, try new things, push yourself out of your boundaries and make yourself uncomfortable um, periodically. It doesn't have to be all the time because it can be a bit tiring and a lot of a lot of energy cons- consumed. Um, but, you know, try try by doing is always a good one. Love that, love that. Um, are there any books you've read that you might recommend? Uh, we're all great readers. Um, I'm always looking for something new. Yeah, okay. So what I would tell you is um, given the busyness of my life, I don't read a lot. I'm currently reading um, a, a book on philosophy by A.C. Um, Grayling and we're talking about AI, um, you know, the use of technology um, and how democracy sits around all of that. So that's super interesting but it's pretty dry. Um, one book that I have read lately that really did resonate with me um was Malcolm Gladwell's Talking with Strangers. Have you read this? No, I haven't. Uh, so he talks, he has a whole bunch of um, chapters on certain situations and how you, how someone reacts is not necessarily how they actually feel or how it should be perceived on the other side. Um, and, you know, he talks about a whole bunch of um, stuff that, you know, Things like, you know, people who go to jail who, you know, people just assume that they did it, for example, or, um, you know, you know, people with diverse backgrounds who just are perceived differently doesn't mean they're, you know, they're wrong or they're, um, they're evil or whatever. Um, it's just the way that you consume it as an individual, right? That's your perception. And it just really opened, it really opened my eyes. Um, anything by Brene Brown. So, um, you know, daring greatly and learned, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, Atlas of the Heart. So I've actually been watching, so I've read the, well, I've listened to the audio book. So I'll give you that one rather than reading it. Um, but I've also, there's a couple things on Netflix of hers. So I've been watching those and they're all again about, emotions, self-reflection, um, and becoming a better and more authentic leader. Um, but I tell you what, my thing is podcasts. Like I love podcasts. So I listen to Planet Money. I listen to Freakonomics. So, you know, but the, the best one is something called Smartless. So this is like Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, all three best mates, 
interviewing somebody random. It could be, you know, someone, a comedian, it could be a politician, it could be an actor, it could be anybody. Um, and it's just like belly laugh stuff because, you know, there isn't a comment that goes by about, you know, Jason being in Teen Wolf 2 when he was, like, young and, you know, and just it was it's just funny. It's just funny. And so it just gives me the um, the belly laugh that I need of the week. So there you go. That's my tip. Well, that's gorgeous. They're fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, I'm wondering how you might feel about International Women's Day. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, we could argue that every day should be International Women's Day. Um, we could also argue, you know, is it on the same level, you know, because there's, you know, dog days and international pizza days and all this sort of stuff. Um, but it is a time of reflection. So, and I think that that is probably what I take away from it um, the, most of the time uh, when it, when it, particularly when, you know, um, when it comes around every year, reflection on those women in my life, and they all know who they are, um, who really make an impact, who really have changed who I am, who've made me a better person, who've made me a better leader, who made me, you know, those women need to be celebrated um, and I celebrate them on that day. That's just so lovely. I love that, Camilla. Um, just one last thing. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, go on long service leave. It makes you look 20 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> you look fantastic uh, too. Yeah. You've got a beautiful tan, big smile. My, my snow tan. It's only from my glasses down. You know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Still um, looks amazing. But, you know, what I would say is, um, you know, particularly for those younger and, you know, new entrants into the industry, um, one, the industry is fabulous and I'm glad you've joined. And two, if you haven't joined yet, do join. It is seriously rewarding. Um, you know, and, I, you know, because I reflect on what I do at F3 and trying to, you know, nudge a whole bunch of really talented young women into the industry. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of self-doubt and there's a lot of, you know, can I do it and is this the right opportunity and whatever it is. Um, my only thing is just, you know, put, put it aside, self-belief and give it a go and you will be rewarded in the industry tenfold um, if, you, if you actually do give it a go, put your whole self out there, be passionate about the industry, get involved in a whole bunch of like bits and pieces, whether it be in, um, you know, industry organisations or within your own organisation because the industry needs more talented females in it um, and, you know, I don't want to sit here in 20 years' time when my, you know, daughter decides that she wants to come into the industry and say that, I, you know, nothing's changed. And it's because of all those, you know, new entrants and young women who are thinking about joining the industry that, um, you know, over the next 20 years um, that I can, you know, say that the industry has changed a lot and, you know, we are better off for it. Camilla Love, thank you so much. You've certainly brought a smile to my face and a bit of joy to my day. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Liz. I look forward to speaking with you guys again. A massive welcome to Kelly Wood from Schroeder's. Kelly, it's so great to meet another Bond girl. 
Um, I know we both love the asset class. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Elizabeth. Yeah, I certainly am way too passionate about bonds. I know, I, I know, I'm the same. Um, so tell me a bit about finance and how you got into it. How did you start your career? I think for for me there were two real reasons why I got into finance. Firstly, I, I do love maths. I'm a bit of a maths geek. Um, and I really had a love for macroeconomics and markets. So that's probably my first reason. I think secondly, a big influence on my my life um, through school and university was my dad. He had a, a very fulfilling career in banking. Um, so finance for me was a real obvious choice, just given my love of markets, macroeconomy, being a mass geek, but also my influence from my father. Um, I don't know if you're like me, but I was buying shares at 16. Were you reading the finance pages of the newspaper when you were in your teens or oh I, I wasn't I wasn't buying um, shares I was actually buying real estate good for you um, yeah being being married to a builder um, certainly meant that we were heavily into real estate and, and we still are now so that's been my go-to for investing for most most of my life really that's a bit hard if you've got a husband as a builder I can't imagine yeah <laughs> you're doing much else so yeah so that's why you went into finance. What did you study and how has your career progressed after your studies? So I studied a Bachelor of Commerce, majoring in finance and economics. So coming straight out of uni, I landed a graduate position at AMP Capital. And this is where I really took sort of two years of my life coming out of uni, really exploring my interests, not really knowing whether I wanted to go into markets, economics, and just exploring the markets, what I liked, where my skills were best suited. And this is where I really developed this love of macroeconomics and markets and how they actually work quite closely together. And that's where I really started to enjoy fixed income. And I think I did choose probably the most challenging asset class. Sometimes I do wish I go I went into equities, um, but it was it was really where I discovered that love of fixed income. Um, moving on then to a big global fixed income house like UBS was where I really grew as a fixed income investor. Um, I had some very great mentors in that business um, that really helped with my development and training in regards to how I thought about thinking about fixed income investing. Um, so it was a very great learning, you know, the ground for, for learning and, and development. Um, as I think I was there probably seven or eight years and I thought, well, I really want to start to grow my career from here. And this is where I took a bit of a risk um, with my career and I moved away from managing the money as a bond portfolio manager at UBS. I moved away from the money um, to Schroeder's to help build out the fixed income business. And this is where I really broadened my skills and capabilities um, so I was more than just managing the money, you know, I was helping build out a business. So that was really challenging and it was a big risk that actually paid off. Um, it's really interesting, your career path. I mean, two big names, AMP Capital, I imagine they had a fantastic sort of graduate program where you could experience lots of different areas. But then UBS, it's, you know, it's well known for its fixed income background and a great place to learn. 
Um, you talked about your mentors there a little bit. Do you want to just expand maybe on one maybe standout mentor and perhaps what they how they might have directed you a little bit better or what you know did you find them or did they find you two of my mentors were at at UBS I guess most of my mentors I like to search out within the business that I'm currently in because I think it's important to have the supporters or the sponsors within a business that can really champion your success as an investor and you know, most of my mentors have helped me in terms of challenging my thinking about fixed income, bet my beliefs in regards to investing. So top-down investing versus bottom-up investing, thinking about fixed income from more of a strategic perspective, um, and probably finally how to strike a good balance between valuations in markets but also the cycle. So my mentoring, I think, in terms of the development of my career and my background um, was certainly in regards to how I thought about going about fixed income as an investor. So my core beliefs when it comes to fixed income investing. And I think those discussions and that mentoring over the last 25 years, I think, has really been valuable in terms of how I think about investing today. And has your career gone to plan as such? Did you have a plan coming out of uni and think this is where I want to be or you've, you've, you certainly talked about a risk joining Schroeder's and I love that because I think we all need to take risks sometimes and that it's paid off. Perhaps if you just want to expand on that a little bit more, Kelly, that would be great. Yes, I think, I think I am a bit of a risk taker. Like I love doing things differently. I love a challenge and I always set out on my career path um, wanting to move quickly. I I was at AMP for two years, UBS seven years, and I've now been at Schroeder's for 15 years. And I really wanted to progress quickly. So it was always sort of challenging myself, making sure I was taking risks, like moving away from managing the money, which – I think back to one of my early mentors um, and he said to me, Kelly, there are only three things you need to know about investment management. Stay close to the money, stay close to the money, stay close to the money. And this was a real risk when I moved from UBS to Schroeder's because I was moving away from the money. And, you know, these mentors had been in markets for many years. So for me, it was going against what I'd been told by one of, you know, my greatest mentors. And, you know, for me, it really paid off. And it's really helped me grow as an investor, but also broaden out my skills. Like I don't just know how to manage money. I also know now how to build a business. And when I did come into Schroeder's, which was predominantly an equity firm, we had nothing to lose the sky was the limit. So this is where I really grew in terms of my skills and capability um, in terms of what, what I could offer a business. So you're now Deputy Head of Fixed Income at Schroeder's, which is fabulous. What's the best part of the job or, or, or your day? Well, my my love of markets and investing um, means that the best part of my day or, or my job is talking about strategy. You know, where are we in the economic cycle? Where are valuations? How is liquidity sitting within different components of our portfolios? 
and and really using that to drive investment decision making. I think the most important thing as an investment investor is to have an investment decision making framework which you can always rely back on in terms of your core thinking. So certainly strategy debate, I love debating. I could sit for hours and debate with my team about the outlook. Um, but I also, so that's sort of like the markets and investing, but I also love promoting fixed income. I am seriously obsessed and passionate about bonds and I love being out on the road with our sales team promoting fixed income. Um, so I love doing the commercial aspect of my role, speaking to clients, consultants, getting up on stage saying bonds are back. Like I love that. So it's it's a it's a blended role, which I love. Something that's you know very focused on market investments, but also externally being able to promote your own asset class. I can totally relate to that. I've loved the people, but also <laughs> the, like the mental math, mathematical challenge and looking at markets and reading papers yes. and loved all of that really um, lovely mix of things. You're not just doing one thing at a time. It's There's, yes. there's lots going on. You have on. to th- have the variety. Exactly, exactly. Yep. So... You're, you've got to be a seriously busy person. How do you balance <laughs> work and life and family and friends and your health? Well, it's, it's certainly a juggle um, and it's, it's chaotic at times, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I love chaos and it's, it's like sort of markets. I love the volatility. So I think it's just how I'm wired that – I am most productive when I have a lot of balls up in the air. Um, I'm really driven when I'm when I'm busy and under pressure. So I guess for me, you know, the way in which I, I deal with that is having a good support system. Um, my husband and I both work. Um, so we he's a builder and and I'm in markets. So we you know, we work as a team. We have two young boys um, that are 10 and 7. So, you know, they certainly keep us on our toes. Um, so working as a team and ensuring that we have a su- good support network, um, like I think I do outsource just about everything. <laughs> um, good for you. I think I actually I actually think at one point it was, it was a few years ago where I had a lot going on. Um, I even had a dog walker. <laughs> So there's there's points there's points in my life where I, I am extreme and I do outsource things that you know other people can probably do better than me. So making sure we've got you know the right support system in place. Um, my husband and I are working as a team, um, but also having the flexibility with work because our priorities do change. You know sometimes there's a lot going on with our family. You know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're really into work. So it's making sure that there is that flexibility with work to be able to work from home, to be able to attend the boys' swimming or athletic carnivals or whatever's going on at school, um, and making time for ourselves and, you know, having a bit of fun along the way. Um, Kelvin and I love to have a lot of fun. So it's, it's a good balance. 
It sounds like you've you've got it worked out. I have to say, so good, good for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what's your main hobby? And I'm digressing here, but like, do you have hobbies in in common with your husband? And you love to do things, fun things together, travel. I don't know. Yeah, I think my like my favorite thing to do is holiday. Mm. Like, I um. I think I've got a bit of COVID revenge going on at the moment because <laughs> this year I'm fully loaded with holidays. Um, we're off to Hawaii and Japan and then Noosa at the end of the year. So holidays is certainly the place where us as a family um, and friends can really come together and, and have a good time and relax and get away from work. Um, I've also play netball so I always say I'm a bit too old to be doing that now but um, I do like to be active it makes me feel good so you know playing sport and making sure we have time for ourselves in terms of daily exercise is is pretty important. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah but definitely yeah it's it's having a good balance but I still don't know how I feel it fit it all in. (laughs) If only you could outsource the netball you'd be right. (laughs) (laughs) I know yeah that's Um, it do you have any sort of practical tips for women either starting out or wanting to take that next step in their career that you could expand on I think looking back on on my career it's it's certainly about taking risks and that's what really will get you places um taking risks but also Surrounding yourself with people or investors that you can really learn from. I think that's where the development of my skills and my capabilities, um, a big influence was making sure I was going into businesses that I really thought I can I can learn a lot from these guys. And, you know, it, it forces you to think differently about yourself as an investor. Um and that's back to my earlier point is finding those sponsors um, within the business that can really champion your success. I think for me, I have been very lucky to be in businesses where I have been valued and you you really you can really get involved and you know those supporters or sponsors can really lift you up and and really champion your success. Um, but also challenge you in terms of thinking differently. And I think that's how you can really grow um, as, as an investor. Um, probably lastly is just is making sure that you're strong and confident in what you set out to do and to speak up and to have real conviction in your decision-making. I think without that, I wouldn't be where I am today um so it's it's certainly taking risks you know being surrounded by the right people but also in yourself having that confidence conviction to to be strong and speak up to really have a voice at the table you know that's how you get valued within businesses no that's really good um we appreciate that just wondering if there's any books or podcasts or any other material that you listen to that might be valuable or uh, to anyone listening. Well, I must say I'm not really a bookworm, um, only because I have no time 
and I feel like I am constantly running from things to things. Um, but I'm definitely into podcasts. So every morning before I walk out the door, I listen to the NAB Morning Call podcast. It is my go-to. It's 15 minutes. It gets me up to date in terms of economic data and markets overnight. So before I even leave the house, I know exactly what's happened. Um, That is certainly my go-to. In terms of investing podcasts, um, there's one podcast that I've been like a big follower for for a a long time, and that's We Study Billionaires, which is exactly what it says it is. Uh, These guys study billionaires and they talk to billionaires about how to succeed in markets or how to succeed in life. Um, And there's a range of topics from sort of macroeconomics, you know, growth, inflation, crypto, you know, equities, bonds, real estate, you name it, they have it. Um, And they get some amazing guests on that podcast. Um, I also listen to a lot of leadership podcasts, given my position. Um, And, you know, we're in a position now where we're going for growth again in our business. So we're really starting to, um, you know, for me as a leader within the business, you know, I want to make sure I'm, I'm equipped. And, you know, listening to leadership podcasts has certainly helped me in terms of the management of people and communication um, has certainly been sort of invaluable. Um, How do you feel about International Women's Day? Well, I think it's probably the the busiest day of the year for me. Um, I love getting out there telling people my story um, because I have had a good experience and maybe that's because of... um, you know, what I spoke about before in terms of taking risks and being surrounded by good people and sponsors and being strong and confident. Um, So I do like getting out there talking about my story and because it's something I'm really proud of. And we do need to celebrate women's achievement. And it's a day where I think we can have a lot of impact. And for me, it's important to get my story out there because I think employers really need to create workplaces where women can thrive. And I think my story helps in that messaging. And I have been lucky enough to work for two organisations that they did have the right workplace that that I could thrive as an individual and an investor and really carve out my career. Like I feel like I've been in complete control of my career, but being in those organisations where the workforce is, you know, it's set up in a way where women can thrive. So I have been lucky at companies like UBS and Schroders um, to be able to do that. I'm sure you've given back in spades, Kelly, because that's what happens, you know. Kind employers, you know, um, generate a lot of goodwill from their staff and you double down when you need to and um, work all those long hours, as I'm sure that you do. Yes. Um, (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today, Kelly? I think just really believing in yourself 
and you can go all the way. And I think the real risk here is just playing it safe. Like I think my experience was all about taking risks and it did pay off, but I think without taking that risk, you know, it really doesn't generate an opportunity. So, you know, the real risk um, for women is that if you do play it safe, then it's it's going to be difficult to, you know, produce that sort of opportunity for you to really carve out your career. Kelly Wood, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful. Great to have that chat. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Elizabeth. A big welcome, Amy Clements from Inside Investment. How are you today? Really well, thank you, Elizabeth. How are you? I'm, I'm good too. Amy, tell me, why did you choose finance? It wasn't a direct route for me, really. I, from quite young, was inspired by my father, who was this very resilient entrepreneur, very hardworking, who'd built a business without any real formal education. And after I decided I didn't want to spend my life swimming with dolphins, at about eight, I decided I wanted to emulate that and you know, be a founder and a director of my own business. And so it was a few years later during high school when you can start electing the subjects you'd like to take through to the completion of of high school that I started studying business economics. And that's really when I fell in love with macro, microeconomics, corporate finance, behavioral finance, and then pursued that through to university. And what have you done since university? Uh, Interesting journey in that I graduated in the December of 2008. I had decided in about March of my final, you know, the final or the fourth year of my studies to book a one-way ticket to London and make it in London in the finance industry. And we all know what happened in the June, July, we had the global financial crisis really kick off. And so I had to pivot very quickly come January, landing in London in the middle of a horrible winter. Um, and spent the next three years working for a startup business for its two founders and then moved over in 2011 to work for Insight. And what have you been doing at Insight? It's been a varied course for me or journey for me. I spent seven years in the business in London originally working across three different roles. Initially one in business development, so really looking to establish relationship there with defined benefit pension funds and insurers and see how we can help them work on solutions together. I then moved into the client team. So essentially had those same institutions being my client, working with them on fixed income mandates, on um, overlay and protection, derivative protection type mandates to help them with their inflation and interest, currency and equity risk. And then I moved into a consultant relations role in London as well. And that role really meant that I was responsible for making sure that the asset consultants globally, but predominantly based in Europe, knew what insight that the firm I work for could do as a business and um, rated our capabilities highly. I then got a, a tap on the shoulder and asked to move to our Sydney team or our Australian office. And I've been here for just over four years now, working as an investment specialist, talking to those clients, uh, superannuation clients, treasury corporations, things like that, um, in the industry here about their strategy, the investments that they may have with us and the work we could be doing with them in future. It sounds really interesting. What's the best part of your day? What's what's the best part of your role as well? Definitely talking to clients. I love working with them on the problems that they may be facing, whether those be investment problems, new regulation that they've got to work through, something operationally that needs fixing. 
And I think I like that because I enjoy strategy, love problem solving, and I particularly like collaborating with clients and also internally with our business in London and the US on solutions that we could come up with clients for. And the really nice thing about project-based strategy work is that it's finite and you can assess whether a job's been really well done, put to bed, and then you move on to something else. So I would say it's working with clients on the problem statements they might have and helping them fix or solve for those. Now, we should explain that they're institutional clients, aren't they, Amy? Yes, predominantly um, the most of our clients in, you know, globally and also in Australia are institutional clients, though we do have a presence across the, the wholesale market as well, just far smaller. So I imagine you have a fairly busy life. How do you juggle, you know, work, <laughs> life, mm. family, health, friends? I do have a lot on. So apart from a very full and what I think is varied and interesting career, I um, I'm also the candidate or the chair of the candidate engagement committee for the CFA Society Sydney. And uh, another part of my non-exec portfolio is the secretary to the board of the, um, the Ballet Society New South Wales. So it's a full plate along with a two-year-old at home. Um, it can be hard to juggle. I think I had to have a real conversation with myself and accept the fact that while you can have it all, I suppose, in essence, I've got a very long career and a very long life to have it all. And it's not possible to have it all at the same time. So there'll be parts in my life where I'm focusing primarily on building a new strategy or a product for our business. And that might consume a lot of what I'm doing. It might be something on the non-exec side. It might be the current challenges, finding schools for my two-year-old and being able to pivot and being able to um, make sure that you've got enough capacity to focus on the next big priority, I think is really important rather than beating yourself up for trying to do all of it all the time perfectly, which is of course not achievable at all. No, um, I love, I'm very interested in your uh, non-exec um, director roles and they're quite diverse in themselves, the CFA Society and, and the Ballet. How, um, what maybe are some of the um, challenges or insights you might give someone looking to get into uh, non-exec director roles? I think it's probably the same advice I'd give for all the way through your career and that's network. I think both within your own organization as well as externally. So, you know, the CFA Society in Sydney is a society that I decided when I moved to Australia was, as a CFA charter holder myself, would be a really fertile, um, you know, ground for me, I suppose, in that I'd meet colleagues, I'd meet contemporaries, I'd meet both men and women who could inspire me, you know, that 10, 15 year stretch target. And by meeting them, um, listening to their stories and having them guide me in their own individual ways, I was likely to have a fuller and more successful career and, and, and really settle into a market where I didn't know anyone when I first landed in, you know, January 2019. Um, so that's the first piece of advice I'd give is, is network more broadly in and out of your career to try and understand the sorts of things that are available. And then I think it was, that, you know, the next piece of advice really would be to understand where you have transferable skills. So the work that I do with the, um, the Ballet Society New South Wales, that's a charity organization, very different to my day-to-day -day role, but I am you know, quite strategic in my thinking or can be very organized and I love the arts and ballet. I did, you know, I was a ballerina at no professional or even really amateur level up until about 15, 16 years old and I thought what better way to use my skill set 
um, my networks that I have within you know, corporate finance and finance generally than to pivot and use that same skill set in a, in a charity setting. So I think it's think broad about your skill set and where it may be applicable and network in and out of your industry to try and understand you know, what might be available for you and what, what good next steps to take to develop your, your own personal skill set, your brand and your experience. I think that's great. Um, what are you looking forward to in your career? And, and do you have other, do you, set, you still set yourself goals? You've achieved so much. Um, do you still set yourself goals? I do set myself goals. My goals are rather than being defined by a you know, number of years or a particular uh, level I'd like to reach in my career, it's about how I feel about what I'm doing. So, Something pivotal for me when I was 15 years old was reading a particular book, actually. Um, It's Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And habit number two was live with the end in mind. And that really struck me. He, He actually gets you to do this exercise. If you can bear it, it's a bit painful and take some time. You've got to think all the way forward to your funeral after a very, very full life and the sorts of things people say about you how you are as a colleague, how you are as a a partner to someone, how you are as a a daughter or a son, a sibling, a friend, someone in your community, and really start to define how it is you want to interact with those different groups if, if you'd like to, for example, be getting involved in things like your community. And I set myself quite lofty goals as a 15 year old in terms of the descriptive language I'd like people to use, people who know me to use about me. And I really just try to assess every year or so relative to that sort of language. Am I being supportive? Am I being inspiring? Am I, you know, helping people in their careers? Am I warm and spontaneous as a mother or as a wife? Um, So rather than setting specific goals, I, I try to think about what I mean to people and how I can interact with the world around me and whether I'm doing a good enough job there or not. I'm sure you're doing an excellent job, Amy. <laughs> Thank you. I think you're inspirational, very inspirational. Um, how do you, like, are, are there any podcasts or books or things that you listen to? Because I imagine you've got a busy day trying to keep up with everything that's going on globally and uh, with all the clients, your client interactions. How do you keep up to date? The first thing I do, one of the first things I do when having my morning shower or grabbing some breakfast is I listen to a podcast. It's an Australian podcast. It's called Squiz. Um, Squiz the Day is a couple of wonderful women who, you know, essentially give you a seven to 10 minute snippet of international news from the day before. So it's a wonderful way for me to get across what's happening, whether it be, you know, the war in Ukraine or um, you know, what's happening in Turkey at the moment, political, you know, political things that might be occurring in Australia and more broadly. So that's that's a great and very well worth um, spent seven to nine minutes. It means that your water cooler chat is is up to date and you just have yeah, that, that wider world perspective. Then when I get in to work, I don't have much time before that. I love to spend time with my daughter in the morning. She's got loads of energy. She loves to play. We have really nice breakfast together. But either on my commute into work or when I get into work, um, I try to make sure that I'm abreast of what's happened to markets. And, and that's just general market commentary. It might be what investment banks are writing. There's no one particular source. But the other thing that I find really important for me. It's not a podcast, it's not a book, but just to help me 
distinguish between the different parts of my day. When I'm at work, so the, the, the colleague and the employee Amy, the at-home Amy, you know, the Amy who wants to try and get to the gym to stay healthy. I like to break those slots of time up with great music. It tends to be quite different music, you know, classical music in the morning. When I'm trying to get to work, it relaxes me. Um, you know, particular songs I like to listen to before I want to go and, and head out to the gym. So for me, I use music as a tool very much to set my mind frame for the next activity I'm focusing on. That's great. Just one quick question. Did you listen to any music before you joined the podcast today? <laughs> I didn't. The last time I listened to music was just before lunchtime when I was yeah, in the kitchen whipping up some things for my daughter for lunch, uh, but not just before the podcast, sadly. I should have. Okay. <laughs> and one other quick question. Did you ever learn an instrument? I did. Shamefully so, just the recorder, which I think is a you know, rite of passage. Certainly I'm South African for South African children at junior school. It's sort of the only instrument that gets readily handed out. Wasn't very proficient. And then I was one of the people responsible for the, the great piano shortage of, of March to April 2020 when we all went into lockdown and I tried to learn the <laughs> piano. I got, um, you know, far enough that I was pretty happy with myself. Um, and then, um, had my daughter after that, and I must say it's it's sort of stalled since then. I'm not surprised. It does give <laughs> young children do sap your energy, uh, but music does give you such a release, and um, uh, it's it really does. good to to hear that. So, how do you feel about International Women's Day? I get really excited about it every year, not just because it's one day. Um, you know, it's something to, to be excited about or celebrate on one day, but because of the two things, the messaging that it gives to women and particularly girls everywhere. And secondly, because so many organizations like to celebrate it, want to commemorate it, I suppose. Um, and so there are a lot of events you can get involved in. So it ends up being, I suppose, how we'd all like our birthdays to be, a multiple event, <laughs> you know, multiple day sort of thing. Um, for me, International Women's Day how how you know, what I like about it and how I like to focus on it is the the messaging that it gives to particularly young girls. Perhaps my focus is that because I've got a daughter, but I think it's it's the idea that words like capable, courageous, bold, leader, those words can be synonymous with girls and with women. And that whatever they choose to do, whatever level they attain in their career, whatever their career might be, that they are capable and able and invited to do that throughout their throughout their life. So International Women's Day is incredibly important, I think, globally and means a lot, has progressed women's equality, and that's really important. For me on the individual and micro level, it is about taking those words that I mentioned and hopefully making them more intrinsically felt by young women and by girls in Australia and around the world. Oh, fabulous. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Just I think that... I feel incredibly proud to work in financial services. Um, I hope they do too for those who do and for those who are thinking about it um, to seriously consider a, a role in financial services and for me, investment management. It's It was difficult to, to graduate in 2008 and 2009 in a market that was incredibly skeptical about financial services professionals. And for me, with what we do, you know, particularly at Insight, but in the investment management industry, what we try to do is give moms and dads, general members of the public, more dignity and more certainty in their retirement. And I think that that's really meaningful. 
Um, and it's a huge privilege. It's also happened, you know, it happens to be a challenging, fast paced and then incredibly interesting industry as well. So I suppose one final thing I'd like to say is if you're working in the financial services industry and you're thinking, my goodness, it's early March, <laughs> I've got another whole year ahead of me, it's be energized by that. What we do really makes a difference at a micro level to people that you know and love and care for. And if you are thinking about a role in financial services, to to be inspired by that and, and really go for it. Amy Clements, it's been delightful talking to you. I feel inspired and ready to go, ready for another <laughs> year. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your time and thoughts with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks very much to our three inspirational guests, Camilla Love, Kelly Wood and Amy Clements. Whatever you're doing, I hope you can take time out and enjoy International Women's Day. Thank you for joining us this week on Fixated, the Fixed Income podcast. Still hungry for more fixed income news, views and education? Then visit fixedincomenews.com.au and don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter to have the latest news delivered right to your inbox. Thanks again for joining us. I'm Elizabeth Moran and we'll see you next episode on Fixated, the Fixed Income podcast.